Today's reading comes from Acts 21, 27 through 40. You can turn in your Bibles. Starting in verse 27, when the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people, the law, and this place. Moreover, he even brought the Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen uh, Trophimus and the, the Ephesian with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Then all the city was stirred, and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He took at once the soldiers and the centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another. And he could not learn the facts because of the uproar. He ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he came to the steps... He actually was carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mob of the people followed, crying out, away with him. As Paul was to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, May I ask you something? And he said, Do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then, who recently stirred up a revolt and led 4,000 men of assassins out into the wilderness? Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Sicilia, uh, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hands to the people. And when the, there was a great hush, he addressed them in, Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, saying, This is the word of God. <laughs> it stops right there, I promise. And, that, and, that, and that's on purpose, too, guys. So, so uh, you get good, brother. All right, this is the word of God. That's what he said. Thank you. So that's the purpose. Hey, let's pray together. You're awesome, man. Sorry, no, not a practical joke. He's like, I ain't going to ever read for y'all again. All right, let me pray for us, and we'll jump, we'll jump right into the text, okay, guys? Lord Jesus, thank you for being able to just exalt you and worship you through prayer and singing out, Lord, you're worthy for our voices to be centered on you, Christ. And we pray. Right now, our minds and our, our hearts will be centered on you, Lord, as we open up your word. We ask that you'll be gracious to fill us with your spirit, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you just guide our hearts and allow us to be passionate about learning about who, who Christ is. We pray for your grace upon me, Lord, as you've given me the, yeah, the, the great opportunity to teach your scriptures, that you would allow me to remain faithful. Um, that if I'm just up here talking and trying to do my own thing, Lord, that's just human and worldly, and we don't want that. We want... Holy Spirit inspired, uh, just gospel teaching, Lord, where we learn about our Savior and you apply to our hearts and you do supernatural stuff, Lord. So that's our prayer. So would you use me? Would you use our body that we would just be encouraging each other, Lord, and leaving here more passionate about you, uh, more aware of ourselves, aware of our, our sin, aware of our Savior, and aware of the doctrines of grace. We love you and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated, and I uh, hope you have your Bibles open. If you don't, we can get you some Bibles. Yeah, sorry about that. So the way the, way the text is going is um, 
it's a lot of text, and I didn't want to bring up too many, too many pericopes, too many passages. So we're going to stop there, and we're going to look at what he says next week. But this week, uh, we're going to have that little portion that I gave you guys. If you see Pastor Leon right now, he is uh, passing out Bibles. Um, so if you need a Bible, go ahead and grab one. Raise your hand. We'd love to hook you up. If you need a Bible at your house, you don't have one, we would totally give you one if that's an issue because we want people to be understanding the Scriptures. I'm um, so excited as I love singing with you guys. And, man, you know, the, the drum was going. And I, I saw some, some of my sisters and brothers, like, kind of getting into it a little bit. You know, I saw, so I was, I was getting kind of hyped. Now, y'all, y'all keep rolling like that. And it's, um, it's loosening up for Jesus. I'm, I'm into that. That's what's up. Um, we are in Acts chapter 21. We've been going through the book of Acts for over a year now. Um, that's what we do as a local body. We go through books of the Bible. Uh, <clears throat> we've had some uh, great teaching, if I can just say. I just think our body has wonderful elders, and um, they have been holding it down the last couple of weeks. I'm very appreciative of our crew and our leadership, and, and I just want to ask you guys, if the Holy Spirit reminds you, man, you know, go to your elders, and, and, and they don't want it. They didn't ask me to say this, but yeah, thank them for their sacrificial service to you guys. Uh, they've been absolutely wonderful and, and great leaders in our church. Uh, so these guys have been holding it down uh, for the last couple of weeks. Uh, we're in Acts chapter 21. A lot's going on. We're going to be hopefully finishing the next couple months. And um, our desire is to make sure we're opening up the scriptures and getting the whole counsel of God. Like that's our posture. That's why we do this. We want to make much of Christ. Um, as you look at the book of Acts, we're going to jump right in because there's so much uh, going on. And I don't think we've had a, a recap in some time. And so let me just, uh, just briefly help you understand, especially if you are new, uh, what, what's been going down. Big picture. You get the specifics if you go onto our website, and you can listen to the talks online. Uh, they're all there. You get the PowerPoint, the whole nine. So go and um, help yourself. Um, but in a nutshell, what the book of Acts is, uh, it's a book in the Bible, and uh, it's a book that actually is, is part of another book, which is called, it was called One Canon, uh, basically the book of Luke, and it became the book of Luke and the book of Acts, and it separated uh, in the early centuries into two, um, to two canons, and one was basically talking about, basically you have the Gospel of Luke, if you've heard of that, if you're uh, not familiar with the Bible as much, you have the Gospel of Luke, which talks about uh, the life and works of Jesus Christ. Um, and it's, and it's part of another, another sect of other gospels where you have these different men who are talking about the life and works of Christ and what he's done and what he's claimed. And then you have this book, Acts, that was actually part of Luke because Luke was trying to encourage and influence a, a, a very prominent Greek leader, Theophilus, uh, that Jesus Christ uh, was not a hobby, but actually uh, he did what he said he was going to do and that he is king and that Theophilus should know him and love him too. So that's the whole posture of the book. So it's an apologetic book book uh, that's also helping you understand the framework of what's going on in the history of the local church, of the new church that's being formed. Uh, so that's what's going on. You got Jesus' story being 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 documented, and then you got uh, basically Luke trying to prove to Theophilus that this Jesus who is risen is on the move, and things are happening crazy because it's validating that Jesus is on the move, that Jesus is real, and that someone reads that book and go, man, I looked at the life of Christ, I'm looking at what this dude is doing now, right, through people, and man, I want to become a Christian because this seems to be real. That's the whole posture of the book, is to lead people to faith in Christ, um, to, to put cast down their own idols, and to actually seek Jesus. So what actually happens within the book, and they call it, they call it the book of Acts, by the way, uh, the Acts of the, of the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, or you can even say the Acts of the Apostles. In antiquity, people use both, but both are happening, right? You got the Acts of the Apostles, the people who 
are the sent people of God that God has grabbed and trained and equipped and filled with the spirit. And they're doing all this cool, these cool stuff, but they're not doing it in their human self. They're doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And so it's basically the acts of what God is doing in the first century church. In a nutshell, Christ appears on the scene uh, after the resurrection. This is in the book of Acts. So he's died on the cross. Guys wondering what's up. He appears. He's risen from the dead. Uh, they're all like, oh, my goodness, I guess this, is, this thing is real now. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. After he rises from the dead, he kind of equips these guys on what they need to be about. He says, hey, I'm risen. That means I'm real. I'm going to have you go and be my missionaries to the whole world. That's what your life is about. I've repurposed you now. And now I'm not going to let you do that on your own strength, but I'm actually going to fill you with the spirit. I'm going to guide you, fill you with God himself. And then you're going to actually be my witnesses to the whole world, which is I propose to you is not just a call to those guys in the early first century church. That actually is just a, it's a pre, uh, precursor to what he's done into the whole world. And he shows that by not just filling those guys with the Holy Spirit, but he fills all those individuals who are his people in that upper room with the Holy Spirit to show that this is for the people of God, that's you and me, those who know Jesus Christ, he repurposed you where before you as a Christian, you're kind of about yourself doing your own thing, maybe balancing yourself out with a little religion, balancing yourself out with a little moralism. And then Jesus comes on the scene and says, it's not about moralism. It's not about religion. It's not about self idol worship, but it's about Christ, right? Then you say, oh, I don't want to be my God anymore. I want Jesus to be my God. He says, cool. He fills you with the Holy Spirit. He deposits, he grabs you, he saves you, he draws you. And then he, throughout the night, what's going on right now in your life is he's making you more like Christ where your desires are becoming his desires. And he's saying, my desire is for you to make me known to the world. And that's actually what our W2 is all about. Our job as his people is to make him known to the world. Okay. That's what he does with these guys. He dies, tells them that he ascends. Uh, Holy Spirit comes, fills them. They see crazy things happen in, in the community. Peter's healing cats. Lame man gets healed. People start coming to faith. All of a sudden, you start seeing persecution in the church. Stephen, our first missionary martyr, gets stoned to death and killed because people are upset that the church of God is rising and becoming what it's supposed to be. Uh, We also see Saul on the scene. He comes in. He's killing Christians. God shows that I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. And he takes a guy who's doing his own thing, who's actually zealous for the law, but who's killing Christians. Very powerful, very prominent, very intelligent. And he saves them right on the spot. Saves him, then he fills him with the spirit, changes homie's name, dude's Paul. Now this guy, same cat, is now is going to be a missionary, probably the greatest theologian in all the New Testament. Has written about 13 books. He goes and he gives his life to Jesus because he gets the whole concept of repurposing, right? God has repurposed him. So now Paul is persecuting Christians, gets saved. He's now a Christian. He goes, he's... Uh, bringing glory to God. He begins these missionary journeys, which we've looked at uh, for many chapters now, I think starting around chapter 12, we're in chapter 21. So we've been about nine chapters looking at these journeys of Paul, that dude who now is a Christian, who's now making Christ known all over the world. He stars in in his home little area, right? He starts telling people about Jesus, talking to Jews. He gets kicked out of synagogues. He's talking to Gentiles. All of a sudden you see him, Jews and Gentiles. He's seeing people come to Christ. He begins what you call the first missionary journey is what we call it um, in history, where he goes around. Uh, as you see the, the, red, the red little dots there, he goes down south and he comes up and he goes around. Let me, let me show you guys. Excuse me. 
<laughs> so he comes on down here, you know, to Cyprus and goes all up to Antioch. Right, and he comes around, makes a little loop right around this way here, comes around. So that's his first missionary journey. He makes uh, the, the gospel known to those areas. Sorry, I'm hopping around like that. Um, Antioch, Iconium. It's hard to see, and I'm, because I got so much to talk about, I'm just going to give y'all, I mean, y'all give me grace and just know that those lines are real, all right? And that he did that stuff. Um, second missionary, you know what I'm saying? Second missionary journey. Uh, he does that, actually, and then, you know, people start coming to faith, and Gentiles start coming to faith, and the guys get kind of scared, and they have kind of the Council of Jerusalem. That's a very famous council in Acts chapter 15. Make sure you log that in your theological minds, because that's a very important time where, where the Jews are trying to figure out, oh, my goodness, you know, they had ethnic idolizing, like we all do, right? We, you know, if you're black, you love our black folks. If you're white, you love your white folks. You don't want to act like it, but you really do. And then God says, hey, I actually made all of us to be one. And actually when we learn how to be one, that's when I'm going to be truly exalted, right? Because it's going to, it's going to display the divine character of God. And by the way, can I take a commercial? That's what he's doing here, right? When you get individuals who's choosing to say, man, I don't like this kind of music, man, they're not off the chain like I, like I want them to be, or, oh man, they too off the chain. So I don't want to go there because I don't feel like running around a church. And, and, and we kind of feel like, well, I'm going to go to my safe place. That actually thwarts the glory of God. See, it's actually when we say, you know what, I got my preferences, but I love God more than my preferences. And the way that I can display the divine character of God is when I'm in a place where there is diversity and there's unity at the same time. And then we choose to be united and diverse at the same time. And people come in, unbelievers come in and go, I heard something's going on here. And they come in and they look and they go, what is going on here? This is not even a sporting event. Right? And I see different groups of people hanging out on purpose. Right. And wait, they're not faking it. It's not it's not just it's not just healthy segregation. Right. Where you got the black folks in one crowd and the white folks in another, and you, get, you know, Asians in one crowd. But you got they're all hanging out and they're learning how to do unity and diversity. And then people are looking. Unbelievers go, what is going on? You see what God's doing? Right. So they're trying to figure this out. The Jews are racist and they're going, man, I, I just don't like this. This is killing me. What's going on? We got to figure this thing out. The, G, the Jews are getting saved, but also these Gentiles are getting saved. So they had a council about it. Paul says, I want to testify. Yeah, the Gentiles are getting saved because God is not just a God of the Jews. He's a God of the whole world. And the way he's going to display that is by saving the world. Right? It makes no sense to be a God of the world. You save one people group that ain't even smart. Right? So God is good. He's awesome like that. So this is what the Lord is doing. You got the council. He writes some books in this time. He writes Thessalonians. Uh, the Holy Spirit then leads them to Europe, which you have your second missionary journey, which is a little bigger. And we talked about this. Remember, they didn't have, no, they didn't have cars and all this stuff. And yet this guy's traveling 1,400 miles, 2,400 miles, 2,800 miles. Those are the three missionary journeys. Right? Isn't that crazy? No car. You know, maybe a horse, maybe some boats, perhaps. A lot of walking. So this is what's going on, guys. This is what we've been through. We've seen during this time that Paul is getting beat down. He's preaching the gospel in the synagogue, and they're making fun of him. And then he goes and he talks to the Gentiles in different areas. We see people, we see individuals jailed. We see people killed. We see James, one of the church leaders, gets, gets killed. So a lot's going on. The church is still, though, in all that, in a persecution, in a gospel proclamation. The church is growing and, and, and raising in and, and wisdom and stature and power in the Holy Spirit, right? Then we have the third missionary, the third missionary journey uh, that's going on. 
um, when he goes to Galatia, now he's, you know, again, he's in, uh, he went to Europe. Now he's in third missionary journey, and he's doing kind of a circle back. He's doing kind of a paw tour where he's going to the places. Now he's going back to the places where he, were, he was already because we talked about the focus of discipleship. Right? He, he goes to him. He says, hey, how are you doing? I want to make sure you're tight. I want to make sure you're, you're learning. So he begins to make sure that these men and women are actually thriving in Christ. And then, uh, man, one of our elders, my man Matt, then brought it, talking about this whole concept. It was so deep. I'm just going to say he was talking about this whole concept of, like, uh, like healthy community. Because you had so many cool words uh, during your sermon. But, man, that, that then you, you get in the word and you see uh, Paul's talking, and, and he's talking about this concept of healthy community in the body. And then you got my man Alvin um, talks about uh, last, uh, last week. Uh, where we see this concept of, of God doing the work in, in Paul in the sense of showing his humility as he's standing before these church leaders and, and they're still trying to figure this thing out. And they're like, okay, we, we're not as racist as we was last time, but we're still trying to figure this thing out. You know what I'm saying? People are, are coming to faith and, and people aren't liking you, Paul, because you are hanging with these guys and it's, it's legit. I get it, but I'm still struggling. What do we do? And they kind of make Paul jump through some hoops. And Paul, being a man, right, he could have been like, hold up, I'm Paul. You understand? But he didn't. He was humble. And he said, okay. All right? And so now we enter into today, right, starting in verse 27. Uh, and we're going to see uh, um, even more, more some character stuff. But as I want to ask, what I want to ask you to do, people of God, my fam, is as we, as we dive through the text and we're going to blow through it, I want you to keep asking yourself, and always, um, as, a, as a theologian, because all of you guys are being trained to be theologians as we want to be men and women of the scriptures, is you want to always ask yourself, like, man, so, you know, yeah, how would this, you know, you're reading this letter out to the first century Jew and Christian, like, what would they be trying to take away from here, right, right? Uh, what, would they, what, would, what would they be saying, oh, man, I see what Paul's doing here. Okay, see, what, why, is this, why is this being said to me? Think about that as we, as we jump through in the text, okay? Um, it starts, again, we're, we're kind of we're still, if I'm, if I'm doing a sitcom, I mean, he's just had this discussion uh, with that, that, that Alvin talked about. He's saying, hey, you know what? You, you're, you're, a, you're a Jew. You're ministering to Gentiles. Uh, the, the Jewish Christians are kind of getting weirded out. Uh, we want to make sure that we can kind of validate you. Uh, so make sure that you show that you're not against the Ju- Judaism. Make sure that you're showing that you're trying to reform and not totally change. And so what we want you to do is you take yourself, take some of these Greek brothers, and we want you to, uh, I'm sorry, take some of these brothers and we want you to uh, basically uh, do the Nazarite vow. Okay, we want you to um, go through different aspects that really kind of celebrate Judaism. All right, and so Paul, wanting to do that, says, okay, I'll do that just to show people that I'm, I'm, a, I'm an all-in-out Jew, that I love my Judaism, because Paul never really was trying to get rid of Judaism, right? What he was trying to do was he was trying to help people see that it was all fulfilled in Christ, all right? So this was happening right before, and so now when we get in verse 17, it says, when the seven days were almost complete, so we're in verse 27, I'm sorry, in verse 27, it says, and when the seven days were almost complete, the Jews from Asia seeing him in the temple. Okay, so remember, the whole goal was to kind of win their approval, right? For them to say, okay, I'm a Jew, you're a Jew, you get it. You're celebrating us, even though I know you're doing the Gentile thing. And I want to propose to you that the, that the Jewish Christians actually probably was affirmed by Paul going through these different rites, right? They probably was like, okay, he is committed to us as Jews, right? He is showing that he has some Jewish distinctives here. But you also have some haters, is what you see in verse 27. Okay? So it says, 
When the seven days were almost complete, <clears throat> that's the Nazarite vow that he took with these other guys, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him. Okay? So what's happening here? You got these Jewish haters, which I'm going to propose to you, were from Ephesians. Because remember, in Ephesians, that's where he got a lot of drama back in the, back in the scriptures, okay? And we're going to prove that in a moment. But in, in, it was in Ephesus where they wanted to beat him down and they tried to kill him. All right, guys? No, these are just Jewish haters. These aren't Jewish Christians. And that's my, and that's my point. Right, right, right. And so, and so basically, remember, you have the Jewish people and you have the Christians trying to say like, man, like, well, we're Christian, but I don't know if we want to be what you're trying to do. And then you got these guys who are mad that people were becoming Jewish Christians back in, in Ephesus. Well, those guys, if you remember, they follow them at Thessalonica, remember? They're following them around. I mean, can you imagine somebody got to really hate you when they start traveling? You know what I'm saying? They start traveling with you, looking, knowing your schedule, right? And you ain't got no Facebook or nothing, so how do you even know what I'm doing? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you got to hate a brother. So, so they're doing that. Um, Paul clearly sees himself as a Jew. Think about it. He, he attends the feast. This is right during the feast of, of Passover, okay? So now you have, and this always happens, right? You got conservatively maybe a million Jews now. I mean, a lot of theologians think it's a couple million, but man, this is for the sake of the record, maybe a million Jews that have flooded now Jerusalem in this area uh, because they're celebrating being a Jew. That's, what, that's, what, that's basically, if you talk about the Feast of Passover and all those things, they're basically celebrating being a Jew, right? You're attending synagogue. He attends synagogue. He does this Nazarite vow. He's at the feast. So he's trying to show that he is not anti-Jewish so that he could preach the gospel. Okay, that's the kind of the, the framework we're in here. And it affects the Jewish non-Christians, uh, but not the non-Christians. All right? <clears throat> now, it says in verse 28, just to show you, they stir up the crowd, and then they say, crying out, men of Israel, help, right? This is the man who is teaching everyone, right, everywhere against the people and the law and this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place, for they had been previously seen, they had, they had previously seen Trophimus and uh, the Ephesian with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple, so you see what happens here, right? People start, you know how people get, right? And you get mad at people. You, you start believing what you want to believe, right? I mean, because think about it. They start talking about, you took, you, and you took it to the temple. And you notice they couldn't have general accusation to get everybody mad. They started getting specific. And the whole point here is how do we make people so angry to see that he doesn't like the Jews so they can kill him is the whole point. And what I love about it, I love, I love the whole, this whole framework that, it makes no sense for this to be the case, right? We know Paul, you say, well, how do you know that Paul did not take Trophimus into, into the Holy of Holies? Or, I'm sorry, into, into where the, uh, the court, not past the Gentile court, into the court of the Jews. Uh, can we put up the, so this is right here. This, now, look, I love how God does this, right? I mean, it was so serious. Uh, when you think of uh, the holy place and what, and what God's people were doing, they had it, they had it unlocked, guys. Right here is where you have sort of the, uh, the court of the Gentiles here and probably around here, right, in antiquity. And so if you were not a Jew, you could not enter into any of this area, okay? And so you could maybe buy some sacrifices here if you were a Gentile, 
and be a proselyte, which means you're a Gentile who does everything that Jewish people does because you realize you wanted their God to be your God. You could, you could buy stuff and then you can have it, you can, and you can have a sacrifice in there, but you could not enter into this area. That was just for the Jews. This was serious. This gets you killed. Okay. So now this is the area. Um, this right here is the area where, where the Jews could actually enter. Okay. And then here is a holy place and altar. Like these areas were just for the priest. Okay. So it was a, so it was a very serious deal of what he was claiming. Now think about it. If you are trying to gain approval of your Jewish Christians, right? Then it makes no sense to take a Nazarite vow. Do you remember the Nazarite vow? We studied that a while ago. Anybody can tell me? Grow out your hair. There's different kind of vows. But the whole concept of the vows is that you, it was uh, to display gratefulness. Remember, guys, that and as you took a vow, when you wanted to say, man, God is so good. He's so awesome. I want to display my gratefulness to God for who he is. Okay. And so it made no sense for, for Paul to take the vow, right, to, to do the things that, that he's doing to show that he is a Jew extraordinaire and then bring a Gentile into the court. Right. Makes no sense. So we know these guys are lying. They're trying to get people riled up, trying to get Paul killed. And then uh, verse 30 says, then all the city was stirred up, though. So the whole city gets mad. Okay. So you got Paul trying to be strategic. Remember, the Jewish, the Jewish leaders, the Jewish Christians, right? The, the, those guys are like, hey, we got to be strategic about this. We want to minister the gospel. We want people to hear the gospel. So I want you to take a vow. I want you to show them that you're really a Jew, and hopefully that will work. The Jewish Christians saw that. Cool. But then you got these haters here. I'm just kind of recapping. All of a sudden, they get mad. We want to get this guy killed. Hey, he's actually not a Jew. He's, kind, he, he's against us. In fact, what he's doing, he took that dude, that Gentile dude, and he brought him into the center court where he is not supposed to be. Get him. So that's what's going on. All right? And it says, the whole city stirred up and the people ran together. Okay. Right. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple. And at once the gates were shut. All right. So now a couple of things going on here. Things are getting kind of crazy. They shut the gates. They drag him out of the temple. They shut the gates. So now they got this guy and it says others rushed to the scene and beat him down. Now, let me read verse 31 and 32. Then I'm going to ask some questions. And as they were seeking to kill him. Word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion, right? He at once took soldiers and centurions, verse 32, and ran down to them. And they, and they saw the tribe, uh, and they, and when they saw the trib, the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Can you do me a favor? Can you put it back, uh, that, that temple back up? Thank you. Look at this guy. So here, here's what, uh, Rome did. So back in the day, they, they, they would have, you know, you had the Maccabean revolt. You had different revolts because the people of God knew they were oppressed. And throughout history, when people get oppressed long enough, they just wild out, right? And so, and so what happened was a few times in history, uh, the Maccabeans, they had to destroy the Maccabeans. They had different individuals that, were, that revolted. So what the, what the Romans did, they said, you know what, we need to build something. Because when they started getting crazy... It, we, we're getting there a little too late and a lot of people are losing lives. A lot of our soldiers are losing lives. So what they did was they built this fortress here. You see that Antonio fortress. So in antiquity, this is a big deal. Okay. And what this was, this was actually, you know, you crazy, you're a crazy group of people when you got the oppressor building something to get to you quick. Right. So they said, we're going to build, we're going to build a fortress and then we're going to have steps coming from the fortress to the temple. 
So now when people rile up and you start seeing, they start chanting and stuff, and you're like, uh-oh, you, you grab the guards and you start heading down real quick. So this is where these guards were. Now, if you look in your text there, look in your Bibles, you see it talks about the tribune, right? The, tri- the tribune was an individual who was over a, of a thousand soldiers, okay? And so that's when you hear the concept centurion, you know, you watch... Um, um, what am I thinking of? What's the one with Russell Crowe? You, you hear the like, Centurion army? Um, what Gladiator. When you hear Centurion the army, that means that there was a hundred soldiers in that band, okay? All right? And so, so when he says that, a cup, that it was Centurions that went down to see what was going on, imagine that. Roman trained soldiers, not five, not ten, that's enough. These guys are trained, they work out, they swole, they got, they got sores, you know, not, not five or ten, you got hundreds of these homies running down the steps to get to y'all. So that's the picture. Now, this is where I'm going to get a little street and just hear what you guys, what you guys think. So, you know, a lot of times you read the Bible and you see, oh, man, they, they were about to kill Paul and then these guys, these guys came. What do you picture? What do you picture? Because remember, I always try to tell our body, as by God's grace, I try to train us, is I want you to remember this happened in history. These are real people with emotions, with pain and fury and anger, who some are crazier than others. You know what I'm saying? So what do you picture? We don't, I don't, sometimes I don't think we picture what really happened or, or, or get close to it. Have you? All right. Now, my wife always gets on me because she says some of my, my analogies can be violent. But I know the kids, they just went downstairs. So let me, um, have any, has anyone in here been jumped before? Keep being honest, don't be, and the man's like, I'll never get jumped. You know you got jumped. All right, so some of us got jumped before, okay? What that means for you, some of you, if you're upperly mobile and you've never experienced that, that means there's more than one. Hey, praise the Lord, I wish I was that guy. I don't want to help tell the story. That means when more than one person tries to beat you up, okay? All right, well, I got jumped once. And um, I remember I was walking down the street. I was maybe like 13 years old, getting past my hood. You know, you get somebody else's hood, one of my boys' crib, right? Got my Walkman on. I'm dating myself, but you know the Walkman. You know what I'm saying? So I had a Walkman on, doing my thing, see some homies. I'm like, you know how you already know. Oh, man, it's on. I can't, I can't turn around and be a punk. So I'm so stupid. I'm going to walk right through them. So walk right through them, right on the bridge. You know, walking, look at one dude, he's like, what's up? Try to be cool about it. Dude started walking past, walking with me. He started talking to me, turned the walkman off. I'm like, okay, I know we're going to do this. You know, so dude starts squaring up on me. So now, you know, so me and this one dude squared up, all of a sudden, bling up! <laughs> right in the back of the head, right? So swing a couple of times, dude hit me, boom. I run down the street on 140th Street on St. Clair. Uh, to my boy Terrell crib. They stopped chasing me. Terrell comes out. Now we hype. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, so I don't give y'all too much of the story. You might not want me to be a pastor. So then, so then, all that to say, got hit a couple times in the back of my head. Dude snuck me in the mouth. I mean, you know, I got beat down a little bit. Okay, those were teenagers, 13 and 14, and it was just three. Okay, I just told y'all a million people descended upon this time during the Passover. It is jam-packed. 
Some dude just told them that the most intimate thing about who they are is people. If you're not a Christian, that your essence of who you are is being a Jew. You are there because you're celebrating being Jewish. You're giving your sacrifices. You're hanging out. You're listening to the word of God. And you're going, we are Jewish. We are awesome. I cannot wait till God does something with these Romans. That's the posture. And all of a sudden, a dude says, that dude right there is trying to do something with our religion. He is trying to say, no, this isn't real. You need to go somewhere else. To all these people who are staunch, crazy Jews, right? Paul himself was killing Christians and thinking he was doing a holy thing. So I'm going to tell y'all, when you hear that he almost got killed, when you see the stoning of Stephen, it took a few moments, y'all. You, you got hundreds of people hitting you with bricks. With bricks. Real. This is real. He looks up. Boom, boom, boom. He's probably already... Days, he sees Jesus and they off him just like that. It wasn't a long day, it wasn't, it didn't take time. How long do you think it takes for a hundred people? You're sitting there and one, do you imagine this right? You've been in war. I mean, some dude hits you here and you're trying to, you're trying to, you're, you're, and he's, he probably ain't swelling up on cast. He's a Pharisee, he can't box. You know what I'm saying? So he probably went down first hit, he probably like this. So now he'll know where the punch is coming from. Have you ever been hit when you didn't know where the punch was coming from? Those are the hard ones, y'all. I'm trying to be, I don't need more, but I'm just trying to help you get a picture. So he's like this, and boom, and boom, somebody kicked him, somebody kicked him, somebody hit him, and, and then he falls down, and another, and it's like hundreds of people, and it's kicking him and hitting him in the back of the head. This is the picture. This is the real picture. It's brutal. He's bloody. Just that quick. I want to propose to you maybe 30 seconds top. In fact, here's what I love about what God is doing here. So, 30 seconds. I'm proposing he's probably a couple more blows from being dead. Right? Just as James died, but Peter didn't. In the same scenario, we go, we go man, what's going on there? I think we're seeing a Stephen die, Paul in the same scenario, and guess who saves him? God. And guess who, you, well, guess who he uses? The Romans. Look what happens. Look at the text. Verse, 20, verse 32. He at once took soldiers and centurions. They see the crowd ruffling up. They up in that big old, they're like, whoa, man, they're, about to, they're getting wild. And you know what I mean? They're getting wild. Jews be partying. You know what I'm saying? Go down there and see what's up. They run down. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. They say, uh-oh. And I, I, and I, I promise you. <laughs> Again, these aren't little faded, little cool little blows. They blasting this dude, and I'm, I wonder he's a few blows from death, and they stop. What does that teach you? I think that teaches us something about sovereignty, y'all. What do people think? I think they're thinking about sovereignty, that God is in control. Why would He allow that to be the case with Paul, but not with Stephen? Why do you let Stephen take one brick too many, Ken, and kill him? But yet, he saved Paul. Well, we see the Roman government don't want drama, so they come to try and bring civil order. They bring all these centurions that we just talked about. Verse 33 says, then the tribune came up and arrested Paul and ordered him to be bound with two chains. I wonder if that's where the rapper got his name from. Wouldn't that be interesting? He inquired who he was. He acquired who he was 
and what he had done, verse 34, but some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another. And as he could not learn the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought to the barracks. That's God's grace. So he comes down. He might be willing to say, hey, man, we, we want to do this the right way. We might kill him. Well, I just need to know what happened. Because, we're, you know, the, the, the Greeks saw themselves as more like, hey, we ain't just wild. We're going to kill you, but it's going to be for a reason. Right? So, so they're like, what, what happened? Just tell me what happened. And it, he can't, it's so crazy. He can't even understand what people are saying because it's so crazy right now. And if you think, well, it wasn't that bad, Eric. And look, look what it says here. What it says in the scriptures. You got this mob uh, that's throwing all kinds of stuff, getting crazy. And the scripture says in, in verse 35, look at this. And when he came to the steps, by the way, he was actually carried by the soldiers. All right. Why can't the brother walk? How long, you know what I'm saying? This brother, trust me, they, when they came to him, he didn't go, Woo, thank y'all, thanks, thanks. No, he probably was down, and they probably had to grab him, pick him up. People were still probably trying to kick him and beat him. And soldiers probably had to go and do that. You know how they, they, they gather around and they make that circle, that form circle? Probably had to do that and say, look, calm down. I want to know what's up. Oh, they, they, I can't hear anything. Grab him, pick him up, take him, take him to the barracks. They're going to kill this guy. We're going to have a revolt. We don't stop this. And if you notice, notice this, guys. He's carried away uh, by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. And verse 36 says, for the mob of the people follow, crying out. So they're taking them, and, and, and you know you still, you crazy, right? You, you've seen it on some riot channels where the, 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 the police got all the stuff. They got the guns, they got the tear gas, they got everything, and you got three dudes with rocks, and they're still chasing after the police. It's like, you must be crazy when you get to that point. This is centurions, the most trained Roman soldiers who got the dude, and you got the crowd still going, hold on, bring him back. You're walking up to him, Right? This is the picture. And, and look what he says there. Away with him. Where did we hear that before? Same words of Christ. Away with him. Kill him. Right? So he must have looked bruised. He must have been battered. Dis- disheveled. Right? Totally opposite of what he was. But man, look at verse 37. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, kind of, right, may I say something to you? Right? And look at, look, look at this. The guard, and he said, do you know Greek? But look at this. So he's like, are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? So praise the Lord again, sovereignty that he spoke. They thought, okay, we're going to bring him to barracks, but I think it's that dude. Because in antiquity, there was a guy who brought a revolt upon a Roman uh, army right in that area some years ago that they had to defeat. Uh, they killed many thousand individuals, but the leader got away. Right? So they ain't had drama since. So now that's the first drama. they like, you know, we're going to get you in here. We think you that dude. We, go, we got something special for you. Right? <laughs> we got something real good for you. And so he's like, he's like, and look, I literally said, Paul, like, uh, I'm, no, no, I'm not that brother. Right? That's, that's not me. Right? He replied, no, I'm a Jew. And, and so you go to two things. So the, re, the reason why he believed him that he wasn't that guy, because that guy was, a, was a, a vagabond, crazy dude who probably was uneducated. But Paul spoke in his language. You see that? So Paul, the reason why, Paul, the reason why that guy was tripping, because he was like, hold on. He said, you're not that guy? 
He didn't say, I think you're that guy. He realized you're not that guy because you're speaking Greek. Only really intelligent, you know, social elite Jews speak Greek. So you must be on some other stuff. I don't know who you are, but we can't kill you for that because you got some education. You seem to be, you seem to have some stuff. What's going on here? So God uses that, right? Look what the scriptures say. He says, may I say something to you? Do you, do you know uh, Greek? He goes on. Verse 39 says, Paul replied, no, I'm a Jew from Tarsus and Cilicia, right? And then he tells him, like, he says, I'm a Jew, Tarsus and Cilicia. So, so remember, we, we talked about this, right? So, so uh, the, uh, being a Cilician, that, that city, remember we talked about it rivaled Athens during that time. This was like a cultural milieu. He's like, so this, this dude is like, man, I'm, ta- I'm from Tarsus and Cilicia. The Greek, the, the, the Roman soldier like, what? Right? You from, you from New York City, bruh? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Okay, let me, let, me, let me see what's going on here. And he says, a citizen of no obscure city, right? This ain't, this ain't, this ain't no boondock joint, right? We ain't talking, we're talking, I'm, I'm from the big time. He says, I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. Still hitting that Greek, right? And when he had given him permission, so the dude gives him permission. It was the same guy they thought was, going to, was revolting 40 seconds ago who just got beat down. And you would think, why would you give this guy a voice? I'm proposing, and this is my speculation, fam. Hear me here. I'm proposing that all that journey that we just saw Paul go through, I'm supposing he had such poise that he had such in being beat up and disheveled and looking foul that probably when he spoke to him, the Greek guy, the Roman guy was like, man, this brother, it looks like there's something different. He probably was so about God's glory, proclaiming the gospel, being about Jesus, that the guy had to pause and be like, okay, I guess you can speak to him. Look at this. Look what scriptures say. And we didn't give him permission. Paul standing on the steps. I love this. I think the author does this to affirm what I just said. I don't think I'm just believing that, guys. I think this is what happened. Look what happens here. The author wants you to see something. Standing on the steps, Paul motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great hush... He addressed them in Hebrew. You hear that? Guys, think about that. You don't like this dude. You're trying to beat him down. You beat him down. They take him out. They bring him back. Let's get him. Let's get him. And then the disheveled, beat up dude just goes. And they're like, yeah. (laughs) Hundreds of thousands of people. I'm proposing that the Holy Spirit was on him in such a way and something happened. I'm supposing there was a, there was a reckless abandon. There was a confidence in Christ. There was an understanding of his purpose in, in, his, in life and what God was doing in the world and doing in him and the mission of the people of God. That man, when he stood up, there wasn't an apology. There wasn't like head down. I propose that he came in a way where you just went, didn't we just beat that dude up? Like they just looking at him like, what are you about to say? I think Luke intentionally put that. He didn't have to say that. I think he intentionally said, man, I, was, I saw that. He put his hand up, and man, they just went, they, it was quiet. It was crazy. And look what Paul does again. You talk about a brother who's not disheveled. 
Talk about discernment. You talk about wisdom and just thinking about this journey first. He speaks in Greek to the one dude. And then, now he, he got mad languages. He could hit him with some Hebrew. He could hit him with some Greek. Look what he hit him with. He addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, and then it goes on. And we'll talk about that <laughs> next week. Ah, come back. So, um, now, when I say Hebrew, you know, because um, I think well, there was, I, I want to get into it. I, I, maybe I'll talk next week about the whole Aramaic and Hebrew piece. I'll, I'll say that for next week. But here's what I wanted us to leave here with all that. That's the picture. Guys, what is, why, why does he share this in the text? Why, what are you supposed to leave here with Keith, man? What is the Lord doing? What's the Lord doing, Kev? Tell me, man. Like what? So God puts us in the scriptures, right? What is he doing? What, what captured the first century Jew when they read this? Here's, here's my perception. Here's what I think. You, you guys argue about this, Joel, when you get in, when you get in your Mac group. But I want, this is what I think is going on here. I think a couple of things. He, I, think the, I think when a Jew read this, I think he, they first thought, man, when I read that and I hear that read to me, I'm inspired to bear hardship for the gospel. I think you read that story, you're in that context, and you know what just jumped off. And, then, and you hear that, and you've heard the rumors, and you hear what Paul went through. I think you go, you look at your journey, you go, okay, that's, that's what's up. Game time, this is, this is what we're supposed to be about. And it inspires you to say, man, what, what, am, I, am, I, am I okay with hardship? I mean, he was misunderstood. They lied on him in the beginning. Remember, they lied on him. They said, oh, no, he, he, brought the, he brought the Gentile in. Remember that? They lied on Paul. Physical danger, he gets beat down. You know, you, when they inspire you, you know, we, when we hear that someone gets hurt, we, we, we read about Nepal, everybody's in here moaning and groaning. Why? Because, man, we listen to our, our Christian brothers and sisters and we hear their journey and we go, man, man, I hope they're okay. And it makes you go, man, my life and my plush life and all my stainless steel appliances, I need to pause and go, some people are here hurting for Jesus. And it gives me perspective. It inspires you, doesn't it? You know, I, um, can I just, and this is not to our body, and my desire to inspire is not to make us feel bad, but I want us to so ask some questions. I, I talk to brothers and sisters. I got dear friends, man, who live in other places in our community, uh, and, and GP and all that. And I talk to brothers and sisters, and they'll say like, man, you know, Eric, I hear, I know what you're doing. And, you know, uh, you know, not everybody can do that. Or, man, I can't, I, I don't, you know, I can't take my kid down there for that. I can't. I'm not, I'm not putting my kid in that kind of danger, you know, or, um, you know, like, I've had cats say, man, you know, we love y'all, but no, I'm, my daughter can't babysit for y'all. Y'all, y'all live, no, I ain't let her come down there. These are sold out believers. Now, hear me, guys. I, I'm not saying that everybody needs to move to the D. You know that in my heart. And I'm not saying that God has given us all the grace to be doing the same thing. I get that. So my issue in my journey with my family as I raise my, as I'm, me and Sarah trying to raise our kids and as we're trying to be about the gospel together, I'm not saying we need to automatically be doing everything, but I am saying I think the Bible's posture is that we need to be willing to do anything. Is that fair? Is that fair? That man, I mean, can I say that? 
when we say that we won't do something, I had a, I had a friend years ago say, man, if God ever called me to the D, I'll put, put both fingers in my ear and go, ah. You know what I'm saying? You know, and I, and I giggled at that. And then I went to the crib, and man, I was just broken. Because if, I, if, I, if you guys call me to something and I say, I just can't do that for Jesus, man, you know what? I'm, what I'm really saying is God isn't sovereign in that area. God's sovereign here, man. When I got my job, you know what I'm saying? Got my vacay, you know, balling, saving dough. God's sovereign, man. Things are going well. But no, he's not sovereign when I'm put in places where he might do something to me. He can't have that area. You know, um, one of our sisters said um, uh, that, you know, she went to a, a Neighbor in, neighbor, neighbor in church, you know, we were a multi-ethnic group, you know, which is kind of funny in our hood. And, uh, and it was like, hell, you go to that hippie church? <laughs> they call it the hippie church. You know what I'm saying? Now, how many of y'all willing to be identified like that? You know what I'm saying? Right? That's hard for African-Americans in our, in our group, you know? We feeling like, you know, are we selling out? No, we ain't. It's been about gospel. So I really think, I think the first thing is man inspires us, right? It inspires us to say, man, am I willing to bear hardship for the gospel? She all right? Let's go ahead. No, just, you're all right. I got a kid doing that too. So let's get her. Okay. Thank you guys. Here's what I want to say about that, guys. I feel like what I'm learning in my journey with Jesus is that self-protection is an enemy to Holy Spirit yieldness. Is that I want to say necessarily you cannot yield to the Holy Spirit if you're about self-protection. Why? (laughs) Because you're saying, if you say you're going to use the Holy Spirit, you're saying whatever you want, Jesus but if you're about self-protection, you're not saying whatever you want, Jesus. Yeah. Because the, the thing about yieldedness is that you, if you self-protect and you, if you stop, what you're really saying, Lord, okay, you might actually do something or something might happen to me where you overtake my risk, right? Where, okay, I, I put up this wall. I finally said, Lord, I'm going to break it down. And then God act the very thing you feared happens to you. That can happen as a Christian, sold out, yielded to the Lord. And we're scared of that. And I'm praying that our body would, um, would be a, a body that is inspired by hardship. Here's the other two. I think that the first century Jew probably was, was thinking... Man, I looking at that passage, looking at hearing what happened to Paul, I'm more convinced than ever about God's sovereignty. I have to say, I, I, they, have, they would have to say, man, uh, and, and, and this, this is the deal for us. Now, there's, there's many things in our journey, um, as I think of walking with God, uh, that, that separates us, and hear me here, that separates us 
from the unbeliever when we talk about practical Christian living. There's, there's a ton of stuff, God's love, and, I wanna, and all this kind of centers around God's love. So there's many things. Here's the one main thing, though, that, that separates you from the unbeliever. That is the recognizing and the understanding and the reception of God's sovereignty, the sovereignty of God, that God is in full control of everything. Why? Because, see, the unbeliever goes around thinking just like you and I used to. We go around, we look at our faculties, look at our stuff, we look at our networks, and we go, okay, I got this. And I got to control my own fate, my own destiny. I got to get this thing, I got to make this thing happen. And do you know why we are anxious and scared when you're doing that in the flesh? Because you know how frail you are. Think about it. When you try to control your own stuff and you know how crazy you are, right? You know how insecure you are. You know how you don't know as much as you try to act like you know. You know how you're one step from being like, I forget about it. So, so I'm, it makes sense to me as an unbeliever, how, why you, why you taking pills and anxious and all crazy and feeling like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen to me? Because in your flesh, you see your bankruptcy. What separates a person who's trying in their own strength and who sees how messed up and human they are versus the Christian is the Christian says, man, in the flesh, I would be nervous, but God is in control. In the flesh, I would feel like I have to figure out where I'm going to go, if I'm going to be a teacher or not. But God is in control. In the flesh, I have to figure out where I'm going to live, how we're going to do this, if this is going to survive. But God is in control. And the flesh is going to, you're going to try to figure out all these things. Will they be healed? Will this happen? But if God is in control, there has to be a sense that you see in this passage and you're reading it. And you see the sobriety and the calm trust that simply an unbeliever can't claim. It's just that simple. Is that as a believer family, we should have a certain sobriety of like things are crazy. Man, we're trying to get our, our, our budget tight. But man, God is in control. Man, I need a job. And then Maggie hooks you up. God is in control. Guess what? Even if he didn't hook you up, God is in control. Man, I'm going to be the GM. I'm going to be running things, you know, at the CDC. We know with the coffee shop. Man, my, me, and my, me and my wife, we just came to faith. We came to, come to Jesus. We're walking. We're trying to lead our kids in Christ. Our family's tripping, trying to figure it out. It's crazy right now. But God is in control. That's the difference. The difference is the world trying to figure it out. I got to fix this family member and I got to get this going right. And I got to make sure that the business strives this way. That's the unbeliever. You got to run around and make it happen and make it happen and make it happen. But the believer just has to be faithful. Seek Christ. Dive in the word. Be in the environment of the spirit. Fast and pray and seek Christ and love Jesus and love God's people. And then God says, I'll hook everything else up. I'll hook everything else up. I got this. That's the difference between you and the unbeliever. We got God. And then, I think the last thing that the first century Jewish Christian had to be thinking like, man, to watch that brother, because you know the Christians, Christians are in the crowd too now. You know how it is. Everybody about to kill the Christian. And you're thinking, do I act like I'm one of them or not? And you know, it's probably all kinds of thoughts going on there. You know, they're sitting there and they're seeing this man gets beat down, taking the bears, comes back out, and still trying to preach the gospel. You got to be kidding me. 
Come on. And he's looking at this brother, and they're going, hmm, all right. How in the world do God do something like that in my life where I can have that kind of character? Because, see, we all want that. We all want to respond like a G. You know, we want to be Michael Jordan, game six, you know, hitting 39. We want to we wanna make it happen, you know. When it's game time, we show up, right? Everybody wants that. But nobody want to practice. Don't nobody want to spend hours in the game, you know, working hard. Don't nobody want to fast. Don't nobody want to pray. Don't nobody want to read the Bible. Nobody do no Bible studies. Nobody do no word studies. No theological studies. Nobody want to sit in prayer groups and cry out to God and learn how to just listen to the Jesus and have disciplines of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to do the hard work, but we want to show up when it's game time. And then we get to game time and we're bankrupt. We're like, why am I bankrupt? Why am I going so crazy? Why am I not like that dude? It's because you didn't practice. That kind of character, that gospel-centered character where people lie on you and do things to you and you don't respond like the dude on the street because you're a Christian. You respond differently. And they look at you and they're like, man, you're responding like an unnatural dude. You're like, that's right because I'm in the Holy Spirit by God's grace is upon me. And you look at guys and you spit truth and you're courageous and you're loving and you're kind and you give your life out as a sacrifice. That don't just happen, y'all. You don't just say, I want to love you, Jesus, and just become a servant. You hear me? You don't say, I want to walk with God. Now nah, I know the Bible. Right now, I, I can just quote verses. You know, we've been, we've been watching Harry Potter and stuff, man. Don't just jump off like that. You got to work, man. You got to read the Bible. You got to read it over and over again. I, I, and again, I, my, I have my own personal testimony. I remember when I first came to faith, I didn't know much about Jesus. So what I did, I listened to Christian radio because I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And then I remember taking the one, you know the one, the reader, come on, Lee. In, in Cleveland, Ohio, you know, we got a bus transit center, uh, system called the RTA, baby. Got on the RTA, to put me on the one, took the bus right down to the uh, downtown library. Sat there with my Bible every day, just boom, reading through the scriptures. And, and Matt, I didn't know, I'm like, why, why am I doing this? I loved it, but I didn't know what God was doing. I'm proposing to you when I got on staff and I was at Michigan State and God just allowed me to have like just his narrative, like just in, just in my heart. I was like, oh, now I get it. God was preparing me. He was like, you need to get prepared. So we're going we gonna to have you just every, every, every free moment diving in the word, being in the scriptures. And so I'm praying for our body. I know we want to be on mission. I know we want to have godly character. I know we, 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 we're, we're serving well. But guys, one of my, my biggest fear, you know what, is when we come in, we get in discipleship. Man, I haven't heard many people start discipleship like, man, I'm jacked up. I got all kind of bad theology. Usually people don't start discipleship like that. But guess what? You jacked up. And you got a kind of bad theology. But don't nobody say that. Don't nobody come in discipleship going, man, I can't wait to grow. I can't wait for God to show me the things I was thinking that was jacked up. I can't wait to just be humbled in Christ and see me, you know, as a passive dude. And now I want to be a gospel-centered leader dude. Guys don't say that. But why not? We need to. That's what we really want. I'm proposing that's how God changes us. I always say a broke pot that never claims to be broken can never be fixed. 
So we want character. It's going to take people who say, man, yeah, I got these issues. I want to be different from last year. And what I don't want to have happen is you're sitting under gospel center teaching. You're sitting next to cats who are discipling you and you get in the word together. And then next year, you're the same dude. You're the same lady. That's weird. Let's not have, let's not let that happen on our watch, y'all. Let's be different. Let's say, man, last year I, I wasn't loyal. I was weak. And this year I'm still weak, but I'm loyal. Praise the Lord. All right. We'll work on weak this year. We'll work on weak this year. But let's do that. Let's have a trajectory. Let's have some progression. All right, fam? Let's have some progression. We, we won't have progression in this body without humility. It won't happen. So, we're going to take communion. And um, I'm hoping, as you hear all this and you see Paul, that's, I'm pretty sure that's what was happening in the mindset of a first century Jew. When you think of all the big things, here's what I want to encourage us, guys. God is trying to prime us for mission. Okay? We're here in the summer. We're going out. I'm proposing... Then hear me here before we get started. Even my elders getting up, getting ready for, for, um, for communion. I want, you get, I want you guys to hear this real quick. Think about it. The things I said was hardship for the gospel, um, being convinced about God's sovereignty, and godly character. When you, when you don't care what people think and you're willing to take whatever for Jesus, and you like God is in total control, right? And you're like, man, Lord, do something with my character. To me, that's just primed you for mission, right? If that's... If you, God does that in your heart, you pray for mission. Because you don't care what people think, right? You trust the power of God. You know what I'm saying? And now you're looking at the world and you're going, man, I, I want to I be a godly dude. I want to be a godly woman. Right? So you're going to preach the gospel. I think that's what God is doing in our local body. Right? So when we go out this year, I want to encourage us. Guys, a, lot, a lot of things are happening right now. We got a men's Bible study is about to pop off real, real soon, guys. We got, we're going to be on the block. We're trying to figure out how to do this prayer. We're going to do like a prayer thing where, where we can pray for people on the block. We're going to have people out sharing their faith, right? We're going to be on the block this summer, y'all. You know, at my house, every year we're going to do uh, movie nights. Every, like, you know, we're going to try and have them every other week or so at my crib in, in the front yard. First house off Mac and Seminole. Come, come check us out. We have a great time we're trying to figure out how to kill the mosquitoes. It's going to be on, right? We're going to do this. <laughs> Figuring out right now some healthy, some healthy alternatives, you know? Um, this neighboring, we got people wanting to spend extra time seeking God in prayer. The Mac building's getting finished so we can have a center for people in our community to know that they can come hang out and neighbor well and love each other, right? So God is, God is priming us for a great summer. Amen. All right? So I'm asking you guys, while that's the case, let's be praying. I want to ask you to spend time in prayer. Spend time in your Mac group on these three areas. Asking God, work in my life in these areas, Lord. Make me a man and a woman. Like who, man, I'm just enamored by your goodness that, you know what? I'm willing to suffer. I'm willing to be about pouring my life out. Ask about these three things, okay? Ask God to do a work. Fast about it. I ask you guys, ask the Lord to give you the grace to fast. Lord, let me fast for the day and just pray and ask God, Lord, will you be instilling and working in my life in this way? Supernaturally meet me, Jesus. All right, guys?
This, um, and I want to encourage you, if you're not in that group, if you're not in discipleship, you're like, what are they talking about, discipleship? That's what we do in our local body, man. We, God has made it really clear in Matthew 28, where he doesn't want us just walking around here, coming here, hearing a speech, going out and doing our own life. He wants us to be in community, knowing each other, caring for each other. Man, you need some sugar, you need some food, I got you. You know, we neighbors and stuff. He wants us to be in, in doing life together, preaching the gospel together, being trained up together, right? So what we do as a local body is we're in discipleship with each other. We have mad groups where we meet together together in groups, small groups all around our hood, this hood, our neighborhood. And we also train each other one-on-one in our faith, being trained on how to walk by faith, communicate your faith, and multiply your faith, right? We're asking you, lock arms with us. Come hang out. Learn more about this journey so that we can lock arms together and see God do something crazy in our hood for his glory and for our delight, all right? Um, If you're new to this body, what we're doing right now, we do communion, and then we also do... Um, time of tithing offering. A tithing offering is simply God's.